welcome back to the Pros and Content Podcast brought to you by Notch. This season, we're talking to digital growth and demand gen marketers about how they use audience journey strategy and metrics to accelerate business growth. I'm Ellen Schwartz, Senior Director of Demand Gen here at Notch. This time, I welcome Meredith Overmeyer, Growth Marketing Consultant at Springframe. We chat about common misconceptions around the term growth marketing, her outline for a marketing ideation workshop to brainstorm and prioritize the next best thing to scale your business, and documenting your success metrics. Really quick, do me a favor and check if you are subscribed so you don't miss any episodes this season. We'll have interviews with marketers from Chili Piper, Gong, Stack Overflow, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of Pros and Content. My name is Ellen Schwartz. I'm Senior Director of Demand Generation here at Notch, and I'm extremely excited to welcome Meredith Overmeyer. You're a growth marketing consultant at your firm, Springframe. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you here. Why don't we start off with understanding a bit about your background? What led you to where you are today? Like you said, Ellen, I'm a growth marketing consultant. I work with early stage SaaS companies, anything from pre-seed through series A. And I work mostly on growth marketing strategy. So really setting up that foundation for long-term growth. Yeah, I think that must be a really interesting moment to be with a company. What is unique about that early, early stage? Yeah. So I think that one of the most unique things about that stage is I work with some companies that have already established product market fit and others that have not. And so I'm working on growth testing alongside product validation testing. Sometimes that can be just a little bit tricky. It just requires a lot more collaboration between the marketing and sales function along with the product function. Fantastic. I think it's interesting that you are specifically a growth marketing consultant. I feel like growth marketing is a bit of a catchy phrase right now, a catchy title almost. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I think that there are definitely a lot of misconceptions around the term growth marketing, around what that means. But really, I think one of the most common misconceptions is just that growth is growth hacking and that it's kind of this single hack or silver bullet or this one tactic that's just going to just 10x your growth and make all of your problems go away and just get you, you know, thousands and thousands of new customers. But really the way that I think about growth is growth is more of a process. It's more kind of a, just a systematic process of thinking about your marketing and acquisition efforts as more cyclical and creating a a flywheel. So when you acquire new customers, you're also learning from them, learning about their preferences, about the, the kind of content that's solving problems for them and you're able to improve your marketing, but also your product to better serve those customers. So yeah, there's a lot of... that. I have a blog post about growth as a process, but yeah, really I think about growth as definitely just more... It's a framework for thinking about marketing across the full funnel. I like that a lot and be sure to... We'll link to that blog post in our show notes. So we'll be, be sure to send that over to us too. What is exciting to you about growth marketing as far as you just mentioned the full funnel... Is there more of a scientific process or what is it that kind of puts it apart from a different discipline within marketing? Yeah. So I think that the way that teams and companies decide to structure their marketing function, whether they have, you know, there's a pod structure, there's also, you know, having a dedicated growth marketer, the way that they decide to structure their teams can really vary. I think that growth as a discipline is really just the discipline of thinking about growth as the full funnel experience and working towards better collaboration between marketing, product, and sales. I work a lot with product-led companies where the 
function of, of marketing really has to do a lot of work to validate your product qualified leads before kind of bringing them in the funnel. So I think that that is also just a huge consideration when it comes to structuring your teams and how, how you decide to set that up. I like that what you just said, it kind of outlined, it's not necessarily... Well, and what you said at the very top too, it's not trying to find a magic bullet. It's not trying to go viral. It's trying to understand what's truly growing your business, leaning into that, and then moving forward with a process. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of testing early on. I mean, I think the blog post that you reached out to me about was around the traction framework uh, methodology. That book outlines 19 different channels that you can use to gain traction with your business. But the idea is not that you're going to be using all 19 channels at once. Typically, true to the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, there are uh, really 20% of channels that are going to result in 80% of the growth for your company. So thinking about the process of how you start to test and validate those channels. And really the idea is just validating channels that can that can scale and then always reserving part of your marketing budget to validate new channels because there really there also is a life cycle where channels will maybe stop performing for you over time, which we've all seen, you know, in the past five, 10 years. So yeah, it's really just the idea of experimentation. And there there is a process for that. I think that one of the biggest things that I talk about with my clients, especially with early stage companies, I talk about the process of creating a hypothesis before launching a growth experiment. It's the kind of thing that when you are in a rush and really trying to get a marketing campaign out the door, it can be easy to skip over that step of documenting your hypothesis. Um, but I think that that's so important because we are all guilty of hindsight bias. You know, I, I knew this test was going to work all along uh, or conversely, which is a lot more common. I knew that wasn't going to work. You know, I, I, I don't even know why we, we ran that campaign because I knew it was going to work. So documenting your hypothesis before launching your experiment. Totally. And I think that's something that we're, we can be guilty of as marketers in general is that we are expected to have certain metrics or results that we can rely on or that we can point to to say this is or isn't working. I am or am not on some foundational level doing my job, which encourages us to just launch something instead of having that moment to step back and say, uh, I have a control group. If I think I will, I will do blah in order to hopefully see the X results. Mm -hmm. Without that control group, it's hard to point to that specific campaign to say, this is something that did or didn't work. Yeah, absolutely. I think the document, like documenting hypothesis is just a huge part of that process. Yeah, I think that's great. Is that also a challenge then that you would say a growth marketer faces is understanding what to lean into? I know you mentioned the 80-20 rule of understanding like which of these 20% and 19, by the way, is a lot of channels. And that's another thing I think marketers, growth marketers feel is like, oh my gosh, I need to try to be in every channel all at once. And you're saying there are ways that you can understand where your business needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right that not every channel is going to be a fit for every business. Um, And even when you think about marketing ideation and starting to generate marketing ideas that you want to test, you don't have to think through all 19 channels. You know, a great example is one of the 19 channels that are outlined is trade shows. Trade shows are not going to be a good fit for every, for every business, especially once you have an understanding of your core audience, you can easily eliminate maybe half 
half of the channels and just start to generate ideas on a limited number of channels. I think that that actually is a mistake that some early stage founders and especially early stage marketing teams make is that they think they need to be on every channel at once. But I think that a key step is prioritization. If you generate ideas across many channels, you can layer on some prioritization to decide where you're going to start. I also think another great resource for marketers to leverage is just looking at case studies. You know, can you do some competitive analysis, look at other companies in your space, whether or not they're direct competitors, if they serve the same audience that you serve, you can learn from their marketing playbook. You can take a look and start to reverse engineer their marketing strategy and see what's worked for them. Uh, and can I... The goal is not to duplicate that strategy, but the goal is to see what you can learn from it. And in that sense, you can kind of come out of that competitive analysis with a better understanding of which channels to pursue first. Yeah, I like that a lot. You don't have to feel like you need to copy paste. It's not something that you need to retrofit or try to like wedge into your design. It just needs to be... It's understanding not the at the very basic level, understanding your audience. If you know that they're talking to the same people, what's resonating with them, getting some ideas into your brain. Yeah, I think another great example of that is when you think about generating a marketing experiment, can you think about the minimum viable marketing test uh, that you can put out in the world? So a great example is if an early stage SaaS founder is interested in putting out a podcast uh, rather than immediately planning you know, a 10 or 20 episode season of a new podcast, can you think about a way to test that out and see if that's a fit for your audience? Uh, a great way to test that out would be to be a guest on a podcast or to put out one or two episodes to you know start to evaluate whether that's a good fit for your audience before planning out a much longer term strategy. Yeah, I like that. Some way to just kind of poke holes or understand. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So you've mentioned your workshop outline for marketing ideation. I'd love for you to walk us through that at a very high level. I know that it's also available on your blog. We'll link to that in the show notes. Um, But start us out. Where do you start? Where do you go? Yeah, absolutely. The traction workshop, so that the marketing ideation workshop, as I, I have it on the blog, is just a, a really great exercise. It's a lot of fun. It's something that I've done with many clients in the past. And I find that it's a great way for marketing teams to get unstuck and start thinking about expanding their marketing to new channels. I think that it can work very well for early stage companies that are just starting to gain traction or mid-sized businesses that are really trying to innovate within constraints. You know, think about COVID being a really uh, recent example of this, or really just getting unstuck and, and starting to expand to new channels. Um, so it can be a, a really good fit for many different teams. But yeah, marketing ideation, it's, it's really just that. It's a structured brainstorming workshop for marketing teams to come together and start thinking about new marketing ideas and campaigns that they want to execute in the next you know six months to a year. It's a great planning workshop. And you can kind of there are many different ways to adapt it that I've outlined in the workshop. One of the resources that I did include is a template in Miro, which is a, a whiteboard platform for anyone who hasn't used it before. I love using Miro with clients, especially the past couple of years, just working remote. I find that it's a great way to collaborate remotely. But yeah, the template just kind of gets you started with all of the resources that you need to launch that workshop. I absolutely love that. I like that you're basically setting up a structure, a framework, something that people can anchor into to understand what can I do next? If I need a, an idea, 
a lot of times I think there's knowledge in the room. So you're bringing people together to just have that hive mind of our business needs to get to whatever your goal is. Let's think about this. Let's unstick ourselves. Let's make sure we're breaking out of these kind of the constraints that you mentioned to say something we need to do something different. We need to to understand what we could do next. The second half of this that I think is really relevant to a growth marketer, demand gen marketer is prioritization. As I mentioned, I think it's really easy to slip into the mindset of you have to do everything. You have to try everything all at once. How would a growth marketer, how would anybody kind of sit here and say, I have all of these great ideas from this ideation workshop. What do I do first? Yeah, great question. I think the prioritization is really important. And there's a couple different, there, well, there are many prioritization frameworks that you can use. Um, I have a couple of those outlined in the workshop instructions as well. You know, one of the easiest ways to prioritize uh, when you have a really curated group of people in the room is to use something called dot voting. That's something that's really common in more product strategy workshops. Uh, so you see that in the the sprint book, the like... Google's design sprint book, but dot voting is just a great way to kind of get a gut check. Which ideas that have been generated today are we most excited about? Do we have the most consensus that we think will work? I think about that as just a confidence vote. What are we the most confident about? And that can be just a great way to very quickly surface some of the top ideas. You'll find that, you know, I've done this both remotely and then also in a room with dot voting in a room, you're using stickers. On Miro, it's just like a simple, you know, thumbs up. But the thing that can happen that's really cool organically when you you do this live in in a room is that you have a lot of excitement and conversation around certain ideas and they're you know physically like people clustered in the corner kind of talking about this one idea that they're most excited about so that's a lot of fun but yeah the great thing about dot voting is you know it's it's very quick it's a gut check and you can kind of use that as your first step of prioritization and then move into something a little bit more detailed i use something called an ice score this is from Sean Ellis he has a book called hacking growth that's a really great resource for anyone interested interested in learning more about growth marketing. Ice scoring just stands for level of impact, how confident am I that this will work, and then the level of effort or ease. So how effortful will this be? And then I've also seen different versions of this where you add a column where the budget considerations for this test. But after kind of compiling a score there, you have a much better idea of of, um, which of these ideas should be prioritized. Yeah, it's too bad adding a B doesn't turn it into some better word, but ice buh is not as <laughs> not as catchy. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. I'm curious as well. How do you think this is something that you could take back even to a team or to something that is focused on a, a business growth? Thinking about prioritization as a unique step is just a great practice for you know, organizations of all sizes. It's really just the idea of having rigor and process around the way that you make decisions so that the decision is actually not just the result of the the loudest person in the room, or I've even seen like the hippo, the high, you know, highest paid person's opinion is is kind of the default decision. I think that this is something that organizations of all sizes and and all teams can think about is what is your decision-making process? What is the framework that you use to make decisions? And then fitting that into your your workflow. So yeah, I mean, I think that that's relevant for product teams when they think about road mapping. I think that they're often much more process-oriented. And so I think that for product teams, it's relevant for engineering, for sales, having a decision-making process is great. I've also heard, I'm very into 
just reading about behavioral science and behavioral economics. And you know, I was recently reading about a term called just decision hygiene. Can you think about maintaining the hygiene of how you make decisions in your, you know, in this case, in your organization? I think decision hygiene is something that all organizations should be thinking about. Yeah, interesting. So hygiene meaning, are you following the same process? Is there clarity? Is that what you're getting at? Yep. Is there clarity from the team on how you're making this decision, but also just that you are systematically trying to address and eliminate the biases that exist within your decisions? Oh, awesome. That's great. Okay, cool. So I don't know if really quickly off the top of your head, you could let me know. So we've got this, we had lots of ideas. We prioritized and understood what we should be doing next. We clarified, like you said, the decision hygiene. We know that why we're doing this and why we decided to do this. Mm-hmm. Are there metrics, either hard or soft, that someone would point to after you implement a campaign to understand if it's something that you would want to continue? So maybe if you run a pilot program, uh, you've changed something. What metrics do you think someone should really understand and point to as this worked or this didn't? Yeah, absolutely. When you're working through this process of marketing ideation, you've prioritized. The next step after you've prioritized the ideas that you want to turn into a campaign is creating something called a growth experiment plan or you know going through that planning phase. I have a, a template as well that, that we can link to um, for growth experiment planning. But the part of that growth experiment that we talked about earlier was creating a hypothesis. Another part is documenting your success metrics. So how will we know that this idea worked? How will we know that we want to continue this? And so the timeline for reflection is different depending on the test. You know, some channels, uh, you can get results very quickly. If you're running a Facebook campaign or a Google Ads campaign, you often will have results in just a couple of weeks. But there might be other tests that need to be measured on a much longer timeline. So within that growth experiment planning template, you will define you know, this is the success metrics. Um, this is what we're, we're measuring, how we'll know if it worked. And then this is the timeline that we will follow for both execution and also reflection, you know, how long we'll we'll run this test. You know, part of that planning phase is also putting together the budget and the team, the resources needed, things like that. But, you know, that that step really is important to then define, you know, this is how we're going to measure. And it's often in that phase that you might even learn, you know what, we don't have the infrastructure in place to know whether this worked or not. And that's where you need to think about your MarTech stack and tooling. You know, is there any other tool that we need to implement in order to measure this. So yeah, I I forget what your initial question was, but I hope I answered it. Yeah. And just looking to kind of specific metrics that you might tie into. I know we try to understand what's truly driving a conversion, what's going to actually convert into a customer using Notch. We're able to see if it's pointing to a really good download or if it's a high value action. So what is it that I think ultimately, are there business metrics that make sense to tie to beyond something like a download number? Yeah, I mean, I think that the decision around which success metrics to look at is often a very strategic decision and it has to do with the business goals. So for example, if you are validating a new audience or a new product, you may be more interested in getting quicker gut check level reactions from your audience. So you may be looking at top of funnel metrics like click-throughs to a landing page, maybe the uh, length of time spent on that on that landing page, the length of time 
time engaging with the content, but you may be less interested in the full life cycle. You know, if somebody is not that you're less interested, but you are less patient to wait for that data, you're more interested in that, you know, kind of gut check level. Um, so I really think that the, yeah, crafting those success metrics is something that's often tied to those, those business goals. So if you are much later stage and you have a much better understanding of who your audience is and you are more interested in, in, you know, kind of a longer term test, you may be crafting experiments where the results from that experiment won't be ready to review for, for maybe four to six months. Um, and that might be something that's a lot more common. Deciding what those success metrics is, it ties back to your business goals. Awesome. Thank you so much for this, Meredith. This has been a really interesting and engaging chat with you. We have approached the lightning round. Do you think you're ready? Um, I think so. Yes. Okay. First question. Is there a marketing campaign or idea that you point to for inspiration? I love all kind of interactive or calculator-based content just requires the user to engage with your brand a little bit more closely. Um, so great examples of that are, you know, I think HubSpot does that really well. And I've created a few of these calculators in the past as well. And directory style content where you're you're creating something that is a living resource and it's less kind of your, your typical blog post format. Something where... Even though it's serving you as a business, it's also really engaging and valuable to your audience. Yeah, something that's engaging and valuable and also gets you to that, you know, especially in product-led companies, there's pressure to shorten the time it takes for your, your customers and users to experience value in your product. So this marketing can actually serve that function and help them reach that moment of value a lot sooner. Oh, got it. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So hopefully a little bit easier one. Where's the best place you've traveled? Definitely Italy. I love Italy. I was able to spend a month there right before the pandemic. And so I just was very grateful for that experience. No kidding. What city were you in? We were in Rome and Florence and then around Tuscany uh, for most of the time. But yeah, it was, it was lovely. It was perfect. It's got to be gorgeous. Fall, it was a great time of year to go. Oh, cool. I haven't been there in the fall. I've yeah. only been there when it's very hot in it's Rome. Very, yeah, it's very hot. So the fall was a perfect time to go. All right. Good tip. Um, and then final lightning round question. What was your pandemic cliche? For sure, the most cliche thing uh, coming out of the pandemic is that I had a pandemic baby. It was Yay. sort of in the tail and he was a Delta baby, but yeah, he's 10 years old. Now. <laughs> like, right. I like that we have to divide the pandemic babies up right. into what strain. Right. Oh, right. no. Well, congrats. I was, I'm part of that club too. My baby is uh, June of 2020. So high fives. Ah, I know it was so exciting. Uh, quite the experience, but yes, very exciting and rewarding. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Meredith. I have really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, final question, which you can have a moment to think about. Yeah. What would you want listeners to take away from this conversation? I would love for listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with growth marketing and, and what that means within your organization um, to just start to explore the idea of full funnel marketing and maybe start to learn about growth loops and how those can be leveraged to grow your business. At the end of the day, one of the biggest takeaways that I feel... Um, I always feel excited when I start to see my clients and their teams uh, collaborate a little bit more closely. I think that um, product and marketing teams working together can really just be such a force to help grow your business. Uh, I think that, yeah, that seeing those teams start to collaborate a little bit more closely is always very satisfying for me. So yeah, I think that that's, that would be the takeaway. An awesome note to end on. Thank you again so much. Where can people find you? Is it good to connect on LinkedIn or somewhere else? 
LinkedIn is great. Check out my website, springframe.co. And yeah, add me on LinkedIn. Would love to chat with anybody. If you do decide to lead a marketing ideation workshop and you have any suggestions for how to improve the format or want to share how it went, I would love to hear from you. Awesome. Always hoping to improve. I appreciate that about you too. Well, thank you again so much. And to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to Pros and Content wherever it is that you're listening. This season, digital growth and demand gen marketers are sharing how they use audience journey strategy and metrics to accelerate business growth. You can find us online at notch.com. That's K-N-O-T-C-H.com. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Pros and Content. Don't forget to subscribe if you found this episode informative. This season, we're focused on how marketers prove their contribution to business growth at all stages of the funnel. Find more episodes wherever you're listening and learn more about uncovering your organization's true audience journey at notch.com. That's K-N-O-T-C-H dot com.